And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome in. Uh, if it's your first time in, welcome in. I'm T Bob Abear, host of the Off the Bench uh, radio show, 1045 ESPN in Baton Rouge. And I am joined, as I am every week, by the Athletics Brody Miller. Brody, what's up? How does it feel? For Indiana to be three and zero with clockwork. wins over Michigan and Penn State for the first time in school history, I was gonna play it cool and actually just like try not to mention IU at all this entire podcast. But no, it, Saturday the fact that it came Saturday during a bike and I was able to have some quite a few beverages on Saturday and really just kind of lean into it. Yeah, it was it was it's been a good week. And then like Tottenham won and like. Well, I won't say the other thing that cheered me up this weekend, but like, yeah, so uh, mm-hmm. it's been a good week. And then obviously it's just going to be an extra weird week because normally this is like my biggest work week of the entire year. And it's still been actually a batch of crazy work week, but still like there's not a game this weekend. So it's just a weird time, but also like, a hey, I can watch the Masters now. What an interesting cryptic tease that was about the good thing that happened that you will not mention, but I will not make you expound on that. Instead... Uh, let's go ahead and dive into today's pod because we do have a lot to talk about. Maybe we can circle back to giving you some Indiana love at the end because it is actually awesome. And I am not someone who believes misery loves company. I like to be happy for my friends when I am miserable. Uh, But I do want my enemies to be miserable. So it's actually one of the reasons why I'm loving what's going on with this Alabama game so much because all my Alabama friends are so angry. Uh, Before we get into that, though, remember the Hold That Podcast Podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash hold that podcast dollar a week sign up deal. Trust me when I say y'all, it is the best sports writing site out there. It is completely customizable, whatever team or interest that you have. Uh, obviously, their entire pitch is hiring super talented people. And so the quality of the writing is fantastic. You've probably read Brody's articles if you're listening to so you already know, but if you don't, theathletic.com slash hold that podcast i mean just listen to brody talk he's the context king his mind looks at it from every angle those are the type of articles that you can't expect now uh let's get into lsu bama brody because uh there are now four sec games that have been postponed this weekend due to covid complications and lsu bama is uh kind of the lead dog i guess the biggest matchup obviously it's already a very big matchup and earlier in the week uh, we weren't sure if it was going to be played. It's now official that it is it's not canceled. It is tentatively postponed. Um, it would take some heavy lifting to play. We'll talk about that next. But first, Brody, your reaction to the LSU-Bama game uh, being postponed? I think the first reaction is just kind of, it's the weird context around it in the sense that any other year, any other year this would ever happen, it would be like the most earth-shattering thing. Like LSU-Bama just got postponed or potentially canceled like that is mind-boggling and this year it's just coming in this very weird circumstance where i think to a lot of people it's like yeah it's a big deal that any game is canceled this year but like or postponed but it's like kind of a who cares to some small extent because this game was going to be 
it was anticipated to be an all-time beatdown. It was, I mean, like LSU people were like half kidding, half serious. Like, I don't even want to play it. No, no, no. I, to be clear, I am 100% serious. Uh, If we just take the economics and some of the impact there out of it, um, and we just look at it from a football and football fan perspective, I in no way want or need this game to be played. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm sure we'll dive into that. But it's like and, and the, I think the weird the only like weird feeling I have about it now is not even that I'm not going to cover this game. That's not even that it's not going to happen that I care. I don't think it's going to change Alabama season history historically at all, especially because LSU is so bad. Like it's just going to be the weird my my weird takeaway is just that history will now remember how bad LSU was a little less. Yeah, like, hell yeah, dude. Let's go. That's weird, what we're talking right? about. That's the good stuff. <laughs> I know it's funny because like this will historically go down as one of the worst LSU seasons ever, and I think if you view it purely from like a context of the time period it's in, the worst ever, just in terms huh. of like they've been good and they're this bad. Um, wow, I need and- to think about that. So we could literally <laughs> have lived through a two-year stretch where you witnessed the greatest LSU season ever immediately followed by the worst <laughs> ever. Yeah, and by the way, the Curly Hallman teams I still stand by were like way worse. And there's no, so but many it's other a context. Were, what yeah. you said, it's, it's from the you know, yeah, like, yeah. It's if like you fall from a hundred feet of for twenty years. They've been great. Dude, yeah. If you fall from a hundred <laughs> feet, it hurts a lot more than if you fall from ten feet, right? I mean, yeah, that's a fantastic way to put it. I love that. Um, so it's going to make this year historically kind of funny in that this, like I said, this maybe the worst season ever, right? And we're it's not going to have what was the biggest beatdown you would assume on it. And that's what makes it so weird. It's like, let's say hypothetically they win Arkansas, lose Ole Miss. I'm just going to go with that as like a prediction right now. And they finish the year three and six if this game doesn't get played. That's a little weird because like it will be missing in a crucial piece of context that like they might have been three and seven in that one loss was a 50 point loss to their biggest rival. You know, like that is just a weird, not, by the way, it doesn't actually matter at all like no like it really doesn't but it's just a weird little footnote to this season it's, it's going to be kind of left out yeah i think so i yeah i think there's a couple reasons for that who cares attitude it's what you were just talking about essentially so much of it is lsu is bad and then the other part of it look there's three other games postponed this weekend uh mm-hmm. lsu has already had a florida game moved to december 12th like this is just par for the course in the 2020 pandemic season um, and to me, I don't care about anything being postponed or moved because ultimately those are never those were never the consequences that you were super worried about. Like, sure, there are economic impacts that we'll, we'll, we'll get to, even though even in this year, they may be a bit lessened than others. Um, but but like ultimately, you just want to avoid the nightmare scenario of a kid having to be hospitalized. Right. Or, or or something even worse, yeah. and you've avoided that. And so, to me, that's a success. Like as long as you can continue to avoid that, I don't care what has to happen to the schedule. That is just the reality of the times that we live in. Um, it's a it's a great point. And also, like I, I just my last tidbit, that I'll let you keep going. Is also like cases are tripling around the country at certain places post Halloween yeah. weekend right now. So it's like. Also, you know, hey, I'm not being like a, you know, Corona bro, if you want to call me or whatever, but just simply oh, wow. like maybe not a bad idea to just have like a maybe a one week pause on like having everyone gather. Just, you know, just a quick. That's my two cents. But Yeah. Watch out. The Clay Travis guy is going to come for you. I think, uh, this, listen, I think the show <laughs> listeners know I like to be relatively nuanced on this subject. But yeah, this is my uh, two cents. Yeah. No, I mean, look, it, the, the, uh, uh, America struggles to hold its attention on anything. And this has now gone on for so long that, like, I, I don't know, man. It kind of feels like a toothpaste out the tube in this situation. I'll be interested to see if 
if, if if you can somehow turn a corner here, but I think we're just kind of in it. And you just got to hope that you, you and everybody that you know makes it through it, which is kind of scary because it sucks, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So the game is postponed. First, let's start here. Um, do you think that this game will be rescheduled? Because there are some interesting options on the table and ones that would make a lot of sense. Like the first one that I heard would be, okay, you're already playing Florida on the 12th. Right now, Alabama essentially has a bye before the SEC championship. It looks like they would square up with Florida on the 19th in the SEC championship. It is in no way fair that they should have a bye before that. Again, fairness doesn't really come into play in the pandemic season, but this does represent an opportunity to maybe make that more of an even playing field where LSU and Alabama could play next Saturday. The LSU-Arkansas game would be rescheduled for the 19th which I believe athletic directors just voted on to open up to other games that aren't, you know, to teams that aren't in the SEC championship. And then the Alabama-Kentucky game of next week could be rescheduled for the 12th. Uh, do you think that is realistic, Brody? I mean, I think, and I, who was, I think was Moscona the first to kind of like pitch this? At least it was the first person I saw. Oh, I have no idea. Him. I think it was, and, he, and it was a great idea. And yeah, no, listen, I mean, if, if the SEC decides it's willing to go like that extreme with moving the schedule around and all that, I think it's a great idea. I think it makes a ton of sense for so many reasons. Helps a school like LSU get some of that home game revenue it desperately and like everyone else needs. And uh, yeah, I think it's smart. I, I just think it's going to be fascinating to see what they are willing to do because this is, first off, unprecedented, but also like, and then I think the thing we're going to learn is where do their priorities lie in the, in the sense of, Yes, they can do all of this finagling to make it work and get this game played. But, like, is making sure everyone gets 10 games, aside from the financial part, that important? Or is, like, is their priority really going to end up being, like, how do we make sure Alabama and Florida or, or whatever it is, you know, assuming it's that, is good to go and that they have a chance to play for the college football playoff? Like, that, that is actually, like, should is probably and probably should be their only real priority is like making sure we don't mess that up so interestingly there i mean that feels like you just cancel both the florida and the alabama game that is what i was going to say yeah Mm. is and that's kind of my suggestion if it comes down to it and and if like these other options are intriguing but like yeah because like you're like you're saying that was such a big break for lsu i'm sorry we'll get into that after sorry continue your thought (laughs) yeah i think that that part would definitely fall into the who cares category of the season but still yeah like it 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 would be weird but yeah i just like you said there there's no scenario can be even remotely fair to let Florida play LSU during the bye week, the open week before the championship game and not have Alabama. It would literally be like Alabama got a bye because the outbreak came weeks later. You know, that's just <laughs> nonsense. Like, and, and so that can't happen. So you either need to make sure they're both playing, which even that seems a little silly to me to like make them both play for no real reason other than making sure everyone gets the 10 games, an arbitrary number, may I add. And so I, I don't think you should do that. So at that point, I'm like, I say personally, if you, t- I'm fine if they do it just to like make sure these teams get revenue. But other than that, I say just cancel both of those and just leave that open for them. And then also, but I'm open to, like, who cares about, like, scheduling or playing someone twice or anything like that? Maybe just, like, m- move it around so LSU just plays someone they weren't already playing that also wants somebody to play that week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be the the arbitrary schedule you already made. Like, just play let LSU play somebody else. Yeah, I mean, really good points on multiple fronts. Um, wow, if you did cancel the Florida and 
Alabama game from an LSU perspective, then all of a sudden you're looking at Ole Miss, Arkansas, and A&M as the only games remaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's Correct. like that's as decent of a chance as you could possibly have imagined to try to get to 500 or uh, maybe even above 500. Um, now, I, I, I think this is if, – if, if, but if you are – on the flip side, if you are going to play these games, I do yeah. think that we have to acknowledge that it, it, it would solely be about the economics, right? Yes, which because is very, it, very important. It, because it is like a threat to uh, exposing, you know, to, to potential more COVID problems the week before the SEC, which, as you said, ultimately the conference wants a team in the playoff, maybe even two teams – and this could threaten all that. So, I, 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 yeah, I mean, is there enough money being made? I mean, the TV contracts feel like the big part to me. I know the home gate for it LSU is. is definitely a bit of a hit, but given how limited the numbers are anyway, it's not, you know, as impactful as you would think. Um, what what well, I'm interested, what I wonder. to that, though. Uh, no, go on, go on. The only thing I'd say to that is like, yeah, but the more money they lose, the more each margin is actually more important. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I just think, you know, you're what I think they had 36 million last year in ticket revenue alone. I think that's right. I could be wrong on that. And, you know, so now you're already going down to 25 percent of that. And that's, you know, so that's what, you know, around one million. Game, I think. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. it's it's already down to, you know, going from 36 million to like you were hoping to make around five million on tickets and then. And then, you, first of all, I don't even think they're feeling that. Then you're going from five home feeling. games to three home games. And then, you know, so now you're going from, like, the three million. And, and I, I just think, like, at this point, I think LSU is in actual financial trouble. They already had pay cuts, like, pay cuts and, uh, and real staff cuts two weeks ago. And I think more, like, things are getting tough. Like, sports may get cut. And this is all around the SEC. At that point, every million does sincerely matter. So that's the reason I'd say, like, yes, if you're looking at it from 36 million, like losing 1 million, it doesn't matter. But when you're looking at 5 million compared to, to 3 million, it matters. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
Okay. I mean, yeah. And, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I can jive with that for sure. For sure. Um, and, and so economically the school would want to play, uh, certainly the conference would want to play to collect that TV money. Um, I've heard mixed things from business owners in the local areas. Ooh. I know that they're not maybe getting, I mean, I should say, I, I talked to a couple people who I think would be in the know, you know, I mean, I business sources. Uh, and, and maybe they're not seeing the bump that they normally do on an LSU game day anyway. So yeah. it's not as much of a loss, but it still is a hit. And many of them would yep. be in that same situation where because they've already lost so much that any additional hit, uh, it takes on a littered, little added impact. So maybe they get this game played for economic reasons or fan reasons. I don't feel guilty at all about saying that I do not want them to go out there and just watch them get their ass kicked by Alabama, <laughs> uh, which, you know, some LSU fans are kind of pushing back on, saying that's the coward's way out, which to what I would say, Brody, is there are a lot of brave and honorable generals and brave and honorable men who lost their lives and lost their battles on the battlefield in the name of honor, right? Who made very dumb decisions in the name <laughs> of honor. Sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. Like the greatest generals of our time are the ones who wait until the battlefield is advantageous to them and then they strike. And this is even like a full retreat. This is like an act of God or something. So just uh, accept it, man. Just accept it and don't be upset that you don't have to go out there and as your article laid out, watch an LSU defense that has not played any good offenses and yet is still giving up seven yards per play go against the number one S&P Plus offense in the entire country. Like, isn't a, a core metric in S&P Plus like your per-play success? With ask that again? I'm sorry, I got lost. Like, off, off, offensively. Okay, so LSU is yeah. giving up seven yards of play right now. They have, I read this all in your article. They have not even played good defenses. Correct. Alabama is the number one S&P Plus team in the country. Correct. Isn't one of the core factors in coming up with that S&P rating system your per-play success? To an extent, yeah, it, it's built on like fundamentals of per play, but per play, yeah, it's but it's even more nuanced in the sense that like it's on first down, do you get at least half the get our yards you need? On second down, do you get within two yards? On third down, do you convert? It's like more about like the concepts of success and things like that. But yeah, it is it is a, a per play kind of metric, absolutely. Okay, um, excellent context. But I'm just gonna we're just gonna boil that down to the yeah that a lot yeah, of it, it hinges I, I, per I play as well. Yeah. No, no, that was helpful. That's that's the, our, our listeners <laughs> need that information. Like if you want to go deeper, it is there on the surface. Though you're talking about the worst per play defense in, in the SEC against maybe the best per play offense in the country. Or if you want to go further, the number one SP plus offense in the country versus the number seventy two defense in in the country in SP plus, which like. I don't even think like LSU having the number and for like reference, like even like 2018 LSU offense, that was like, you know, by most accounts bad, right? Or yeah. weak. It was like 40th or something like that in SP plus offense. You know what I mean? Like when you're in the SEC, even when you think you're playing bad, like you are still just like by definition, like better than most of the country when you use all these opponent adjusted metrics. <laughs> like Alabama, I mean, LSU is 72nd right now. Cause like you said, they're not even playing great teams. So yeah, I think Alabama, was going to have an all-time beatdown. I just yeah. really do. And you were going to play a freshman quarterback because that's what yes, we're about to talk about exactly. right now. Uh, Miles Brennan, it sounds like, 
a lot of those original rumors about him maybe being out for the season were a bit more spot on than they were trying to acknowledge at first. Now, they still have not come out and said that, but they're starting to hint more and more like this injury may not heal in time. As uh, we had O on the show the other day, and he was kind of talking about how, well, look, we're not going to put him out there if he's still hurt and it's, it's not progressing well. Maybe he needs surgery. It seems like, and, and, and it shows you that they were playing a little bit of a game this entire time, right? Because you're here the week after the injury, and the, the first comments you hear are like, oh, I thought he'd be practicing today on Monday. And here we are weeks yeah. later, and now they're talking about shutting him down. Um, so, I mean, just, just more disappointing news on top of everything else for the LSU football fan base. Uh, your thoughts on the impact if Miles does not play again the rest of the season? I, I, first off, yeah, I, I want to say that like I still don't think the reports that like he was out for the season at the time were were right. I just don't. I think it was more like he had a very bad injury that still was week to week. Like by definition, it was like a heat. It's not going to get worse. He could play through it, and they thought he was going to be able to play through it. And like I, and this is just now I'm speculating at this part, but I think it was a matter of yeah, like it was would have been really really painful to play through some of these games. And now you're at a point where you maybe could push it. I like, see. I don't. I don't even know. I guess my read on the situation. It, it's. I'm not going into who is accurate yeah, or not no, accurate at the beginning because I don't think that. Like you're right. Like I, I don't think that people that were saying that were doctors that like know what they're talking about, right? But but I do think, or 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 whatever. I I, I do think that it's an injury that people understood. That, you know, a lot of times when you would catch an injury like that, then that would be the end of your year. And that, yeah, there's, there is some wiggle room where it can go here or there, but it's looking like it is more on the, uh, the extreme end than we thought. Like, yes, pain management is a thing, but you really cannot do anything without your core. And so even if he can handle the pain, if he can't throw, like, I just don't feel like he can throw. And, and like you said, now that you essentially don't have anything to play for, you're not going to go out there and put him at even more additional risk uh, for what? For nothing. Yeah. And so to get to your original question, which is like what you make of it and what it means now, I, I think it it almost gives like a, a, an even firmer, you know, support to this notion that like this is almost like a tanking year at this point. And this is almost just like a ha, look how bad this like the more bad stuff that does happen, the more they can actually like, you know, respectfully play the like. See, look how much went wrong, you know, like this is just an outlier, you know, and, and by the way, I'm not even going to blame them for that. But I think that is uh, the more this happens, the more you can totally do that, because first off, if Miles Brennan's healthy, I don't know. I mean, I, I like to believe, you know, it changes the impact of at least one full win. You know, I, I do. I mean, no, if Miles just- Brennan's play, if Miles Brennan plays, I would have you as the favorite overall miss. Uh, yeah. Arkansas would be a bit interesting. But I mean, I, I would no, definitely. I think they're the favorite game they would favor against Arkansas in my opinion too yeah so like it, it does make a difference and also even more than that it makes a difference in how much you're even in games I think I think if you have Miles Brennan you are at least in every game like to some extent and now yeah. it's like yeah I don't I don't even see well now you're really. just now you're just way more dependent on the team as a whole playing better a yeah. great quarterback can make up for a lot of uh a lot of flaws right we saw Bird do a console we saw Miles do at the beginning some this year and even though TJ Finley, I love, still love all of his potential trajectory, uh, his success is much more directly tied in in like, okay, are the is the offensive line winning their battles? Is there a running game? 
Um, are the receivers winning their one-on-ones? And if, if, if too many of those come up as no's, well, then I don't think that there's anything that TJ Finley could do right now with how young he is to play you out of that. Exactly. No, absolutely right. So now at this point, you know, I think your only option is, yeah, you, you just hope this year. And the really scary thing is, and actually, I'm going to ask you a question at the end of this, so bear with me. But like, the scary thing is, and I think we've learned this from like rookie quarterbacks more than anything, of like everyone likes to be like experience is good. He's going to get better through experience. But I don't. I actually don't subscribe to that at all. I think I think experience too early can actually ruin a quarterback. You've seen it so many times in the history of the NFL, where like you throw somebody in, they actually just get destroyed and batter. Their confidence is lost. They get happy feet. They don't know how to read anything anymore. All that. So like, I actually think it can go both ways. And, and so I think their hope is that the Max Johnson and TJ Finley both, this, this can be the kind of good experience. So when they come back in 2021, or maybe if they become starters by 2022, you know, they, they're actually pretty seasoned. But my question to you now I'm going to pose is, do you think now, let's, cause let's just assume they are just accepting, like you might lose every game. I'm not saying that drastic, but you might lose every game and, you know, things are just lost and you just have to go youth movement. Do you still go with like a game management e like pound the ball, protect the freshman, or do you go like let's just let them go and like try to learn and like spread it out? Uh, oh, okay. Well, I I mean I would think look if I think in the first of the easy games, uh, I should say easier, right? Yeah, yeah. When you play Arkansas, who will likely be three and four at the time, and you'll be two and three which is wild to think about that you and Arkansas will be playing for who's the fourth best team in the SEC West, which who would have thought that was the case early on. I think you can stay with your vertical slice of the playbook, more conservative, let's try to win this thing approach. And then if you still lose, you have nothing else to lose, right? So at that point, you can go balls out against A&M. You can get wild against Ole Miss and see what they can handle and what they can't. Like you can just accept more risk because the punishment for that risk failing is less. I, I still think, though, if you can get Arkansas um, through a more traditional attack, more South Carolina-like approach, uh, then maybe you stick with that against Ole Miss as well. You're going to have to do some underdog stuff probably against A&M no matter what if you want to win that game. Because if you beat Arkansas and Ole Miss, all of a sudden you could finish this season somehow with a winning record if you don't have to play Florida. Uh, or, or would that put you at 500? I think that would put you at 500, which at this yeah. point, I think LSU fans would take that. As far as um, not ruining young quarterback's confidence, I think that's all about the coaching. That is all about, and, and this is where maybe it doesn't even matter what happens in any of these games and you just can't go crazy balls to the wall is because bad coaching would be, hey, we're just going to give this guy the whole playbook and see how he does. Like, you don't want him in a situation where he just feels like he has no idea what his decision points are supposed to be. And then also, you don't want to overly punish him for mistakes at this time, right? I mean, I, I think in my personal playing experience, uh, Jarrett Lee, when he got thrown in the fire as a true freshman and was asked to, uh, a retro freshman, was asked to run this offense fully, he wasn't quite ready for that. And then when the mistakes were made, um, and instead of maybe the coaches being understanding about that, they instead kind of used that to like, like, like they defined his entire career by that and by those experiences. And so it took him a long time, I think, to try to get past that. So guiding these young quarterbacks, I do think there is huge value in all of these young guys playing, 
but it is up to the coaches to make sure that those are positive experiences and and you're getting positive value out of these exchanges. No, that's well put. I mean, me asking that question was like me genuinely trying to figure it out myself. And yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it is one or the other either. I think, yeah, you can still go pretty game management y and like balanced and whatnot, and they're still gonna get the seasoning. So I I think you're right. Um I mean I think their note, best just, I think their best path to beating Arkansas Ole Miss is that you gotta be able to run the ball, be more game managery. Against A and M, they're gonna have to go more like Malcolm Gladwell, adopt the underdog strategy, like Go for it on fourth downs that you wouldn't go for it with trick plays, uh, and just and just hope for the best. Yeah, and I guess we all assume. I'm just going to make a leap in judgment, but let's assume that Finley probably gets the start against Arkansas, not even out of merit or anything yet, but just from like I, Max Johnson is obviously one of the quarterbacks who are out right now, so I think we can defer. He's in the quarantine group. He, he's not even expecting back. Yeah, I guess Wednesday. we didn't even report that, Brody. Uh, we should have probably started that when we talked about it, but you you reported. So what have you heard uh, are the actual numbers of LSU this weekend? Because that's why everything got canceled, because you don't have enough players available, which yeah. I guess we just accepted everybody knew. But, like, what are the actual numbers? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I assume I most people know. But, yeah, there were four positive, you know, tests on the team from what I was from what I reported. And uh, but then many more, you know, obviously quarantined. And the real debate that I still like, and I think a lot of reporters right now are kind of struggling to really nail down because I think there's a lot of factors at play about whether or not this game got played. But is whether or not they were really below 53 or whether it was like a they were at 53, but they made a case to like that they couldn't really feel the roster because of deficiencies in certain areas. I don't know. But basically, yeah, because LSU was already in the mid maybe high 60s in their in their scholarship count because of transfers injuries opt-outs you know suspensions you know like all these things like they were already really really low for an sec team so if you even have say 15 people you know quarantine you are you might already be below 53 yeah. in the key context also, obviously that people need to know is they had no tight ends available from what i understand no long snappers which which matters you can't punt you can't kick a field goal and one scholarship quarterback, which was TJ Finley, and even safety and like DB in general was pretty well hit. This ain't the NFL. Like 53 in the NFL is the best 53. You can make yeah. that work. Uh, 53 of whatever's left over on a college team is not always a roster that you can actually play a game with. Although it would have been like almost, I hate talking about this, like almost unsafe to play in a way. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I mean, it's an SEC team, and the like Alabama plays teams like Chat Tennessee Chat. Yeah, but what happens if TJ Finley goes down? Then you're going to put a kid who's never played quarterback on the college level or doesn't even play the position. I think like, they legit would have put Von Rosenberg in, which is just unbelievable. Over uh, John Tree Kirkland, I had heard that like Von Rosenberg was like act like I know O shut it down a little bit Monday, but like I heard Von Rosenberg was like actually taking second team reps. Um, but I, I would have put. Uh, I would have put. Just said full fuck it mode and just installed a triple option package with John Trey Kirkland. It would Let's be it would ride. be a power move. There's no doubt about Let's it. Let's anyway, freaking ride. Dude. Yeah. So, um, oh yeah. So no, no. The reason I brought that up though is yeah, I was gonna say. So the interesting thing is gonna be because I want to see just a little more sample size of Max Johnson, and also I think LSU does too. I think they're on board with that. But it's gonna be interesting because all indications are they won't get these quarantine players back until. Tuesday, maybe Wednesday of next week. So if they don't even get them back to Wednesday at that point, you probably just play it safe and like go with Finley because he's been practicing. Yeah. That doesn't really matter. No, I think that's right. I think that's right. I mean, because Ogeron says the practice competition is what decides everything, right? So 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Yeah. Anyway, um, do you have any more to discuss on the the Brennan quarterback situation? No. No. And <coughs> sorry. Excuse me. We are. 30 minutes in, and as you can tell, it's been a bit of a negative podcast. Um, <laughs> but it is not all dark on uh, when it comes to LSU football. In fact, on the horizon, there are a lot of positives. Uh, recruiting throughout all the bad remains very good. You just land two huge safety commits. I think like the number one and two safeties in the country. Um, obviously, one from Lafayette that we were all panicking about going to Alabama. Uh, this guy's not falling. Say Dryden's going to LSU. And then a big guy out of Pennsylvania who apparently like Penn State really wanted badly and stuff. Very bad. And this is recruiting with Bo Pelini as defensive coordinator, right? Like, which was the huge fear. How could you possibly get a defensive guy to commit here when somebody that is so seemingly inept is is, you know, under this huge contract and looks like he's gonna be there? And 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 so LSU has managed to avoid the nightmare so far of recruiting um, crumbling. In fact, they've, they've done a very good job here recently. Now, this 2021 class still needs some O-linemen badly. Yep. Yep. I asked O about it. He said they got some plans. I think they got some guys. So we'll see how this thing shapes up. But 2021 is like fourth in the country. I think 2022, third. oh, third now. 2022 is what? Um, second. Second. Too early to say much about all about 2022. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but, but I mean, but they're pacing well, right? Like regardless yes. of what it is, they're pacing well. And yep. then even in 2021, there's still guys like Mason Smith out there, Corey Foreman, uh, Tristan Lee. Yeah, Tristan Lee, who would who is literally exactly who LSU needs in this class. They need O linemen because I'm not terribly impressed with their backup O line anyway right now. No. Um, and so, yes, recruiting amongst everything else, Brody. Like you're not dead until recruiting dies, and LSU still has a lot of juice in that regard. Yes, and I, I have a column coming out on this Friday, but I think it's just really important and really interesting if you're an LSU fan right now to look into this and just the sense that, first off, I mean, we all talked about it two weeks ago and say Dryan committed, but I, I, it was very symbolic to me in the sense that, okay, this season was falling apart when that, and then obviously we, Tuesday of that week, it looked like he was, every indication out there was that Sage Ryan was going to Alabama. And that's why he announced his commitment. And don't get me wrong, LSU's still the number five class in the country. If they lost on Sage Ryan, yeah, I think they would have been fine. But there was something symbolic happening if they lost on huh. Sage Ryan. It would have been, been bad, dude. It was Season's yes. going to shit. Yeah. And now you are losing the guy 55 miles down the road who's 
coaches Trev Falk and and, the, and Trev Falk's cousins with Kevin Falk and like it's like that just would have been really really bad and it would have felt like this kind of beginning of an unraveling and like all of a sudden you're like well who in this class is actually solid and are we going to land any of your top five recruits all those kind of things you get Ryan which was huge win in its own right because he's a huge recruit Louisiana guy and you prove that he wasn't unraveling right and then you go and get Derek Davis obviously number 53 player in the country he's now your third highest rated commit one, you're actually just hitting a huge need. You need safeties. But two, it's just like, oh, momentum's actually getting better right now. And that that's just it's important in the sense that it's like, okay, this is, you know, like you're saying, it's not dead until the recruiting juice dies. Now you can point to like, oh, you might have literally this well, it's pointing to be the highest ranked class of the Ogeron era. Wow. And then the fact you're able to land Ryan and Davis is all of a sudden you're thinking like, all right, you know, you still feel kind of good about Mason Smith. And, you know, Corey Foreman, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to land Corey Foreman at all, but I'm just like, he was a heavy LSU lean in September. And then all of a sudden people kind of gave up on it. It's like, maybe that's not over. And Tristan Lee, maybe that's not over. And I think that's huge. Yeah. And then here's my my greater rant that I have. And I think it's it's fascinating. It's because I got a bunch of mailback questions about this last week. And it was about the 2018 class and like what went wrong here. And I have a lot mm. of thoughts here. Feel, feel free to jump in any time. What actually went wrong was that LSU made some bad hires in the pandemic. And like, I just think they handled the pandemic poorly. And now you have a team that like clearly a disconnect with a coaching staff. And that's what actually went wrong, but there's no excuse for how it went this wrong. Right. And I think what happened is, okay, obviously LSU loses 19 players on a championship team. That's never normal. Like that's like even great teams. You lose like 12, right? 19 is crazy. And it's something that I Tom out. Wow, I actually did bring Indiana up in this unironically, but I actually think I know, but it holds really. I actually think this like applies perfectly. Is he was talking about losing the Gator Bowl in that like embarrassing fashion last year? They gave like a three score lead in five minutes, and hmm. he said, "He's like, I know people hate this, but it's a good thing because." There's a lot of damage that can happen when you get too you, you skip steps and you get too successful yep. too soon and you go from five to nine too fast as you lose steps and you lose that infrastructure. And I think that is actually really smart about what's actually happening at LSU in a weird way. And I'm not claiming LSU actually like skip steps. They didn't. But let's keep in mind here. LSU had like the number eight class, the number 15 class, and then a top five class and they won a championship. Like the, And it all just like came together beautifully, right? But like they were better earlier than they thought they'd be. Would you agree with that? They did not yeah, expect to be that absolutely. good. That soon, you jumped right? to 15-0-1 natty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I think what kind of happened was they were good so soon that all of a sudden you lost, like, let's say, nine extra players than they thought they ever would have from that season. And all of a sudden, your infrastructure actually wasn't as good as you thought. And now you skipped a step, so you yeah. lost those guys. And now you basically lost all of your leaders, You know, your Clyde's. Patrick Queens, your guys who worked hard, taught younger guys how to do things, all that stuff. And then it's LSU where your junior class, I mean, in the SEC, I would say the junior class is always, you know, your actual backbone. You know, and like if I'm, if you're, let's say it's IU, your senior class is your backbone, right? At LSU, it's not. Your junior class is your backbone. Yeah, because yeah, your star juniors are leaving, right? And it's interesting now that, okay, they lost their infrastructure, the guys that would be seniors, all that kind of stuff. And then your junior class now, and this is where 2018 comes into play, was the worst class in a very long time at LSU. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't think all the 20 – sorry, I'm still ranting here. But I don't no, think all the 2018 criticism is fair because it had Joe Burrow. It had Damian Lewis. It had Cole Tracy, a lot of guys that weren't really factored into the ranking that were like foundational guys. So don't criticize 2018. But right now, the 2018 class, if you look at it, there's only two fa- like actual clear starters on that entire class that are starting on this football team. 
it's Terrace Marshall and Chase and Hines. And because Jamar Chase is gone and then like Jamon Clark's been a bust, Micah Baskerville's okay. But like there's really no backbone of this team right now because your seniors and your juniors aren't producing. And then you have, you know, maturity issues, all these things. And like that is what's really happening here. And and I think that's just the important thing to point out that it's not just like literal, like they lost a lot of guys. It's a combination of those two things. And then here's where the good news comes in. Sorry, it's going for the longest I've ever talked on the show. Yeah, uh, I'm loving is it. that now you have going forward, if you want to be optimistic, your three best classes in the Ogeron era ranking wise are going to be your foundation. Your juniors next year are going to be that number five ranked class with Stingley, which Actually, if you look at it closely, it's weirdly top-heavy and not that good. But either way, I'll be optimistic. So you got that class. Your sophomore class is going to be that 2020 class, which was number four in the country. And that, that class looks like an all-timer so far. It looks like it's home run after home run. Yeah. Those, this freshman group right now is fantastic. And then you might have the number three class or even better. That is a legitimate chance to get number one. You have that class as your freshman. All of a sudden, and like you said, if 2022 keeps going, your infrastructure is actually technically going to be the strongest it's ever been in the Ogeron era. So all that is a very, very, very long ranty way of saying if LSU can fix its coaching issues, can reconnect with the players, get those parts down, which are easier said than done. There is no reason LSU should not get back to being a very good football team. Yeah. I mean, it's well said. I think that you've really refined and verbalized and drawn some like key logical connecting points to something that we've kind of been talking in a much more nebulous manner, right? We've just been saying like, look, the future remains bright. Like if you take your lumps this year, you have these young guys that are, you know, they're, they're taking punches, but they're, they're learning through it. And like, it will pay dividends a couple of years down the road. I think you took that concept and have really fleshed it out now. And that makes a ton of sense. And the only thing that I would say, I love that idea that Tom Allen idea of skipping a step because that is absolutely what happened to LSU. Because, I mean, even if you're on this team, like like Derek Stingley Jr., after what he's gone through, even if they're good next year, what would ever – and he's probably not the best example because he'll be like a top five pick most likely. But, like, what are some of these, some of these guys' motivations to return after they've been to the mountaintop? Yeah. Right. Like, can you get back there again? And 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 so that's where the genius of guys like Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney comes in, where they can somehow get guys to stick around and continue to have that hunger and try to chase rings year after year. Whereas for a lot of guys, you're like, okay, I've experienced the best that college football has to offer. Now my goal is to get to the next level and as fast as possible at the price point that I'm pleased with. So really, really shrewd analysis by Brody Miller. I don't even think anything I said was that original. I just don't think it had all really been combined into like a cohesive what happened here thing. And that's all. Yeah. Well, it was good. And I'm look forward to reading the article on Friday. Give yourself some credit. Uh, you can't, you can't context out your own good takes. <laughs> the, you're, you're literally arguing. I really would. I wrote to, I wrote to now a level of point. context king. Yes. Wow. <laughs> you, you just contexted your own take that you just I context wonderfully the context. laid out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Brody. Well, uh, we're going to wrap up here. But before we do, what feels the best? Um, being ranked 10th in the country, which Indiana is, beating Penn State, or beating Michigan? Ooh, this is a great question because it's it's. I'll, I'll be quick. The Penn State win is obviously in a vacuum a bigger win. Penn State's better. It was a top ten win. It was all that, but like it was also the first time. 
But the Michigan win feels better. One, because actually they just like Michigan, they have a harder time with. They beat them. It was the first time they beat him since I think like before I was born, actually. And they but, beat him handily, dominated there. Yeah, they dominated. This one felt better for a lot of reasons in the sense that like it was confirmation. It was like Penn State it wasn't a fluke. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, I, and it, like you said, they beat him handily. So it was like, oh, I use like actually a top 10 team right now and it's like oh this is not fake anymore this is like really really real (laughs) and then yeah i think i think it's just like all the history of it it's like the michigan win the first time in the top 10 in four three or four decades it's and it was the fact it was doing it to harbaugh and michigan it was just like oh wow like all of a sudden like my expectations went from like I think this like because remember like I was saying on the show I think this team is a top twenty five football team I wasn't like I think this team and now I'm like this team actually has like potential like I, I always assume Wisconsin was a guaranteed loss because I think Wisconsin's legit but now I'm like that's a ball game that is a game yeah like, I don't know who wins I probably go Wisconsin but like that is a game and yes I think Ohio State wins by multiple scores but like it's just like oh shoot this is really happening Dude, it's just is, cool. is yeah. oh I was gonna say is nine Indiana in play. But I'm only seeing yeah. eight games on the schedule right now. Too. But, but no, you're forgetting about the Big Ten, bi- the Big Ten week championship week thing. Oh. They're they're brilliant idea where they're doing like the the number two right. playing team plays the other number two team, number three plays the number. Okay, number three. dude. So I mean, maybe you lose to Ohio State, you beat everybody else, and you win that weekend. And nine win Indiana is real. It's all. It's real. Oh my it's god! Real. Against yeah, all odds. Hey, uh, so if LSU is going to get back, um, I mean, I don't know about you. Barring some sort of miraculous turnaround, I feel like the Bo Pelini situation is untenable. Like, I feel like you have to try to move on. Uh, y'all got a pretty good defensive coordinator. We were talking pre-show up there in Indiana. <laughs> you want to, as, as we go out here, just just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just wet the whistle for the LSU fans. Let them know that there are still attractive candidates out there. You don't have to go pay a Youngstown coach over $2 million a year uh, fully guaranteed. <laughs> I say this with a huge caveat that I actually, like, loathe, like, blind speculatory like coaching candidate isms yes. like i hate that i hate when people are like this guy would be great and like you're like you have no information on that like yeah. you don't yeah i hate that um, give it to but, us anyway bitch <laughs> yeah kane womack else i use defensive coordinator it makes sense like in a few reasons if like if the fit works if Olex and all those things okay first off so he is 33 years old and i use defense has been a legitimately really good group for about two years now um with obviously less talent but also he's the son of dave womack who is the you know the Hugh Freeze DC and most of the Ole Miss years and a very respected DC. He came Womack came up as a GA there. And basically most of his career is South based. So I know he's at IU, but like most it's mainly Southern it's Ole Miss. It was a GA there. He came out, he was South Alabama's DC and had a ton of success there at like 28 years old. And then became, I used DC at 31. And then like, obviously he's doing great right now. So we're like, it's just kind of like, Oh, like he has Southern roots. He um, comes from a big tree and he's a hotshot young OC DC that you could probably get for, I would assume relatively cheap and, you know, compared to sec coordinators. And the last thing I'll say is he actually runs literally the scheme that LSU wants. He runs an attacking four, two, five, you know, like actually like a more modern, like a modern four, three, like a four, two, five, like what it simply is. They actually commit to it. Yeah. So it's a, it's like that. That's just an example of somebody, but it's like, it actually makes a ton of sense as much as I said it first kiddingly. Uh, I love it. And what's his name? Kane Womack. Yeah. Put the Womack on him, baby. Let's go. Uh, so there you go. LSU fans start to tweet angrily about Kane Womack and say that Brody Miller, uh, said that he's Please going don't. to LSU. <laughs> I really don't want you to. <laughs> oh man. Fantastic. All right, Brody. Well, um, anything to add before you leave here? 
No, I think considering the circumstances of this week, we actually we did okay, man. I think we we did good. Theathletic.com slash hold that podcast, one dollar a week sign up deal there. So worth it. Listen to the football and grits podcast, which is the athletics SEC pod. If you want more SEC as a whole talk. And Bayer Meats, AA Bears specialty meats if you live in Baton Rouge, specifically the Bocage location. All right, that's it for us. He's Bertie Miller. I'm T Bob A Bear, and we will see you next week on the Hold That Podcast Podcast. Mm-hmm.